0: Yeah, so if you develop your prefrontal cortex, the more you develop that and have and and connect with your ability, the lower your anxiety and depression is
1: going to be. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. As a family therapist for over 20 years, Jodi shows people how to create practical miracles, even in the most difficult times. She teaches Gen Z, their parents and helpers, how to find their diamond confidence so they feel worthy, empowered and in control. As an anxiety survivor and mom of teens, Jodi totally gets it. Her TEDx talk. Calm, anxious kids, and her best-selling book "You Won Anxiety Zero, are changing the way we understand the current mental health crisis. Welcome to Jody Amon. We are so glad to have you. And boy, stress and anxiety is something we are hearing so much about. I feel like I hear it from someone every day, even before COVID.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like a it's a problem that's growing in our society and in our culture, really.
1: How does Gen Z mental health differ from other generations? This is the younger, our young generation, right? Yes.
0: These are the kids who grew up with smartphones, early high school, or even middle school. And so there are people who have been on their devices much more than other generations, and that's what makes them stand out. And this has made a huge difference in their life and in their way they relate to each other, to their parents, to the world. It's quite a different problem that we're seeing.
1: I love the name of your book, You Won <laughs> Anxiety Zero. Talk to me about changing the way we understand current mental health crisis. I wrote You One Anxiety Zero a few years ago, and this next month, my new book for teenagers is coming out. It's
0: called Anxiety, I Am So Done With You. <gasps> I and love it's it. about, I think, the toxic stress that we are exposed to is increasing so much with this little device in our hand. Like, we have access to this comparison culture, comparing ourselves to everyone, and everyone is better than us. And then we have these random acts of violence, we have pandemics, we have civil unrest, our commercialism really disconnecting us with our skills and abilities. It's like, you should get this just because you're you. You know, the work ethic is completely gone and all of that are messages that we're getting online that makes us feel powerless, makes us feel worthless. Typically, historically, we've thought about anxiety and depression as mental health problems and we think of them as like an illness that you have to treat or deal with or whatever. that's not really how I see it. And after 25 years working with kids, working with teens, working with whole families, I understand that it's something that anybody could feel, but you could definitely get rid of it. Like it's highly treatable. There's no reason to suffer like that anymore.
1: What's the formula for happiness, for letting go of it for these kids, for getting rid of their anxiety?
0: Well, I think we think that there's happy people and then there's sad people or then there's us and we're different. And the happy people are just lucky. And that's really not how it works. Happy people have to generate their own happiness. So my formula for happiness is to get rid of the things that make you suffer and to bring into your life the things that bring you happiness and joy and then to practice that every day, that's what everyone misses. It's like they feel like, I shouldn't have to work that hard. But let me tell you, happy people work really
1: hard on their happiness.
0: And I think that's the message that we really have to get out, that
1: you are empowered
0: to make a difference in your life.
1: Can you give me an example of that for a teen? Sure. Relationships are a huge part of, the, of what brings
0: us anxiety and, and depression and stress. You know, relationships not going well or people not treating us nice. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time in this book really helping teens see relationships. Often we attract the people that we think we deserve. And so part of it is doing our own work and thinking of what we deserve, like getting rid of those negative self-judgments that we have all the time. So that's one is we have to really notice what they are and then get rid of them. And sometimes they just seem like truth. Like, I'm stupid, and we think that's a truth, and we don't think of it as a negative self-judgment. And so I help kids see that and then get rid of them. And when you do, when you start to like yourself a little bit more, accept yourself a little bit more, you don't put up with other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get hurt by other people quite so much, and I think that's really important.
1: You know, I'm a life coach, and I always tell people, my clients, when they get upset about something, I'm like, okay, if they told you you were green, you would laugh but because oh. you believe something about yourself, when someone says it, even if it's not true, you get defensive because you believe it. But if you learn to it, think it's ridiculous, then you would just laugh, right? Exactly. You have to judge yourself for the things
0: that you're afraid of other people judging. You know, people are so afraid of other people judging I'm you know, teens especially. Mm-hmm. This is so scary to be judged. But the truth is that we only are triggered. We only are upset when people judge us for something we already are feeling. And I love that example of green. I use a different example. I try to get something really random. And so I talk about in this book, someone said, you're a horrible nut bowl picker. Like you're horrible at picking on a bowl to display nuts at a party. Like you just don't care. You know, you'd laugh. You'd think they were crazy. But if they said your shirt looks off brand and that's something you're sensitive about, it matters. Yeah. It's not something you're sensitive about. It wouldn't matter. And so really Seeing the relationship with how we see ourselves, with how other people see us, it's really crucial.
1: That that is so great. And how do you get teens to start to be aware of that?
0: I think explain it. You really need a distance to understand some of these concepts. So I do it through stories. If you tell it, it's sometimes we're so close in the chaos of our own life and our own situations that it's hard to really see. And we really have to bring them back like outside the situation, maybe seeing someone else experiencing it, and then they can understand it conceptually and apply it to themselves. That's really helpful. So this distance that they have, it gives a perspective.
1: And when you said story, I think about, man, when they start to get it and then they can share their story, they can really start to make a difference.
0: Exactly, exactly. I think the biggest problem with kids today is that they don't know how skilled they are. Mm. They don't know it. They don't know that they can handle stuff. They don't know how adaptable they are. And humans are highly adaptable. But see, kids go around thinking that they can't handle stuff, and they're so afraid of things happening because they don't think they can handle it. You know, the, we really need to connect them with the, their skills and their abilities that they already have. They just don't see them. And so that's my my biggest message is, like, you are so much more powerful than you think you
1: are, and you're so much more adaptable and able and have a million times the potential you think you do. So what are daily practices to rewire their brain for happiness one of my favorite practices starting out is every
0: night you know the gratitude journal when people write down three things that are grateful. i love that because it's wonderful it gets us to really notice but i like to add something to it i want people to also write down three things that they accomplished that day because you could be grateful for something that you didn't have a part of like the sunset is pretty but you didn't make that happen and so we also want to think about the things that we take initiative on. It's all about noticing our skills and abilities because we're such a deficit culture. We all always notice our inadequacies, what we didn't finish yet, what we didn't get to, all those things. That's all we see all the time. And so we really have to train ourselves to see the things that we do do because we are, are always doing stuff. We just don't notice it, don't give ourselves credit for it. We don't celebrate any of those things, and so we're out of touch with our own skills. And so if you write down every night three things that you accomplish, you will start to notice
1: them. And it's really powerful. What can teens do every day to raise their self-confidence? Well, if you commit to something really small, the best way to
0: bring up your self-confidence is to commit to something really small that you could do each day and then do it. And then you notice that you're reliable to yourself, at least. You know, you notice you could depend on yourself. And that is the core of self-confidence. That's how it gets started. And so decide to sit with a candle or take some deep breaths. It only has to be a couple of minutes. could be exercise. But if you commit to something every day and do it, your self-confidence will go up.
1: That's really interesting because I think that it's so easy to let ourselves off the hook for so much
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When we're stressed out, our parents take things off our plate because we really want our kids to be okay. And we see them with so much stress in their life and we try to help them out. And it's it's almost the worst thing we could do. I, I talked about this in my TEDx Wilmington talk. So you could just Google or search Jody Eamon TEDx and find this talk where I really give the reason why Gen X is reeling so much. But we take things off their plate, but that's reinforcing that they can't or that we're worried about them or they're unable. And and I think we need to stop doing that.
1: Oh, boy, I agree. So this is really about parents as well. Yeah, there's resources for parents
0: in there. Because it's a write-in book, so teens get to write about their feelings and their thoughts, maybe you need two copies in a family. But I do have a section of the back that kids cut out and give to their parents because it's so hard when people don't understand you. And I think that's the biggest struggle of people who have anxiety and depression is that people don't understand what they're going through. Actually, they don't even understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) what they're going through, so how are they going to explain it to their parents? And they're so busy saying, but you don't understand, you don't (laughs) understand. And parents are like, well, I guess I don't It needs somebody like me who've been working with families for so long to be like, this is what you need to know. This is how you help. So I have that resource in the back. But actually, I think parents would love to read the whole book.
1: So what is something schools can do to help students with their emotional wellness? Well, I think schools, you know, they're in this unique position because they have access
0: to the kids all the time. And so they're really, reeling really, because they see the problems going up and up and up and they don't know really what to do. And so I think that each school should have staff members assigned to a certain number of kids who could check on those kids. Because I think a lot fall through the cracks. The like kids don't know where to go at school to get some help. I know other schools who put a sign on the, the classroom door of the teachers that feel comfortable talking to so the kids know they see, have that visual, they know where they could go to get some help. And those are just frontline that would send the kids to the counselors or tell the counselors that the kids might be in some trouble. I think that's what schools are missing is there's some kids that they're they're missing out on knowing some kids go right up to people and ask for all kinds of help and other kids are quiet those are the kids that we really need to worry about
1: when you're talking about the book anxiety and self-doubt can be such bullies and i think what is so sad when you were talking about how kids don't feel like they can do things that then the self-talk becomes the bully and Honestly, I sat here thinking. I just am so sad. Oh yeah, I know. I get so sad as well. It's so true that it's bullies and we kind of take up that
0: the torch and continue on, right? You know, beating ourselves up all the time, and I guess you could say that that's still the voice of anxiety doing that. You know, that's definitely not our wise voice, but it really confuses itself with our voice, and we think that that's true. And so, to help kids understand what's happening and that that's not true. I think is incredibly helpful. And it's not hard. It's just no one's telling them that they think that thing. And then they think, oh, that's true. That must be true. I thought it. And nobody's saying, hey, you're going to think all this stuff, but that's not even true. Like, look at this is why that happens. So it's like takes the mystery out of it. Yeah. They feel better so much faster when they're it's, it's like the mystery of it. Like, I don't understand this. That's what catches people and makes people continue to suffer is when they don't understand why it's happening so then they beat themselves up more because this is why am i letting this happen this is what's going on then they're like oh okay they it just takes all that negative self-judgment off it's like a weight takes off and they could actually get better then
1: well and i love what you're doing because they don't know what they don't know. So if these words are going on inside of their head and parents are, you know, parents are busy, it's, it's not an excuse. I always tell young parents, go for a car ride, take those teenagers 40, 80 miles so that they start talking because when you're in the car, something seems to happen and suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea they were thinking that.
0: Yeah, I think it's because you're not facing each other. I think because I've heard that from families after family after family, the car ride works. It's just a place that people do start talking. And I think it's because you're not looking at them mm-hmm. and that gives them a, it, and there's time. Yeah. And so you're kind they're kind of letting down their guard and you might not be getting too much. But after a while, they're letting down their guard and they're not being looked at. It gives them a little bit of space. And I think it allows people to
1: talk. It's really remarkable. It is. I always wanted to be the mom to give the kids rides, and so yeah. they're in the back seat. I'm in the front, and suddenly, like if you're taking a trip for sports or whatever, they start talking, and it's like, did they forget that I'm up here? But yeah, you, you I know, I don't. That. Right? I, I don't that. say anything because I want to know what's going on in the world, not to judge them. I just want to hear. Exactly. Exactly. I always tell parents keep in the know easier to update you on a story than to start from the
0: beginning. If you don't know what's going on in your kid's life, start anywhere, start. Just start, you know, talking, listening, not lecturing, you (laughs) have to do that for a really long time and they start talking. But once you know a storyline, then your kids could just update you on the storyline and it's so much easier than to start from scratch and explaining everything and everyone's background and backstory. (laughs) You know, if you're up to date on the storylines. You get the information. And, and I think it's important for us to know because then we'll know if something's wrong faster. Yeah. And that's what we want, right? We want to be able to be there if something's wrong. And so we want to know all the juicy details and all the stories about everyone. Then we could know if something's wrong.
1: So two tips I want to hear about. One is a tip for parents to be a good listener. You sort of touched on it with uh, don't be judgmental, you know, or lecture. But what is a good way for a parent to figure out how to listen well? I think that they have to uh, zip it, you know, <laughs> zip
0: their mouths really, really listen like so much longer than you think you have to listen. Mm. Because often they want to just give advice so fast. I mean, we just want to fix it. It's such a tendency for parents. And if you just stop and listen for a lot longer, sometimes kids go around a problem and come up with the same things of skills that you've taught them anyway, and it's really <laughs> nice, nice to hear. But, uh, but it, being that sounding board is so important. So uh, is that, that, you want me two tips? So that's one, just listen, 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 listen before you talk. And the second one is, I guess I did touch on it, to um, be up to date on the storyline. Like listen often enough that you're not so far behind that it's not even worth updating you.
1: That's so good because a lot of times they're like, oh, my gosh, it's just too much. Yeah. They yeah. don't want it's like, you know, you don't want to bother doing that. I mm-hmm. get that.
0: I totally yeah. get that for a teen. It's a lot more than for me. But if, you know, if I haven't seen my friends in a really, really long time, they're like, what's up? And I'm like, nothing. Right. <laughs> so much is up. But, of course, like, it's just too complicated, all of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other things is what is a tip that you can give now? To help teens, I am just blown away by the amount of teen suicide and teen anxiety. So how can we help these teens feel or be in control when they feel out of control?
0: Well, one is letting them know that it could get better, that this is temporary and it could get better. Oh. Because I think a lot of adults say, you know, what's wrong? This is supposed to be the best time of your life. That is the worst <laughs> thing to tell a teenager, especially one who's struggling. Yeah. Because they're like, That's, it. just is hopeless. Then mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want to... Uh, not go any further, and so letting them know that that you can get better, that people totally get better, like 100% could get better. So it's worth it to give it that time, and this feeling is temporary. A lot of times, even even mental health professionals tell people like, "Okay, you'll have this forever. Or you just have to learn how to deal with it." Don't ever say that to anybody. It's not <laughs> even true. True. These things are highly treatable, mm-hmm. and often come in sometimes in our life when we have extra stress. And we could definitely get rid of them and be 100% anxiety-free or 100% depression-free. But when you think that something's wrong with you or that's the way your brain's wired, it's going to stay. You're not going to take the steps you need to get rid of it. And so I think that's the biggest way to to protect people, because it's helpless thinking that this is all there is. And it's only getting worse from
1: here. Yeah, I think that anxiety comes with that. I mean, I work in the social service field, too. I work with homeless people. I think when I hear anxiety, to me, that's like, oh, rather than, well, anxiety, let's get rid of it. I love how you're approaching this.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and you might be like, oh, she doesn't really know what anxiety is. I've had anxiety for two decades. I completely got rid of it. I'm a I've been a family therapist, so working with people with anxiety for twenty five years. I'm a mental health professional, so I know that that it's true. It's not just oh i get I get over my panic attacks and right. I can't do. It's not that yeah. this is like yes, this is we could do this and and you could do this and and a lot of professionals know that you could get over your anxiety. There's just some who still have that old idea yeah um so you know, if you look it up online, you could look it up online, and it says anxiety is highly treatable. That's what it says when you look it up. Wow. So, but people wait one to three years, or one to ten years sometimes, before getting help with their anxiety. One because they think it's their fault and they should have to deal with it. Two, they they're just embarrassed about it or whatever. And um, it's a shame because wow. you can
1: get rid of it in a few months if you wow. if you know how. And seriously, Jody, I would rather hear from somebody. That is, had it dealt with it walk through it yes so I
0: have these two books out there of you one anxiety zero that you could have in your hand uh, today or um, but anxiety I'm so done with you is really focused on teenagers, and I think it's going to really. If we could get this book out there; it's going to really help. I want to get it into uh, the curriculum at schools, oh. and I think it's. I think it will change the way we think.
1: You know, if we learn self-compassion early, yeah, we could save a lot of suffering yes. in our twenties and thirties, right? Exactly. Honestly, too, this generation there are so many foster kids. I mean, we've got the opioid crisis, so that means we have foster, you know, more foster kids. Knowing people with with foster kids and with foster adopt, you see more of this. And I just think that the awareness and having it in school, oh my goodness, that would be so amazing. Now this book comes out July 21st. Yeah. Okay. One other thing I would be remiss to not bring this up. So now with COVID, kids are home, all of this stuff. Talk to me about COVID and anxiety
0: well uh kids aren't used to the routines that y- they have normally and so their minds are just running a little bit extra you know when we have a routine our mind gets settled with that routine and so that you know at the beginning where we're seeing that actually it's still weeks into covid uh pandemic or quarantine kids are still struggling with with their primarily with the routine you know being up at all times not doing their work at all different times uh, and you know, and, and them being bored a lot, and so on their devices even more than they were before. But teenagers is a time that they're supposed to be with their friends, so this is a really difficult thing. Plus, there's so many losses of their activities, like plays and the seasons, and mm-hmm. their proms and graduations. I, hate- I mean, they're losing so much mm-hmm. so it, it's been a real in a lot of their troopers they're really troopers i mean at the beginning they wouldn't have thought they could handle something like this but right. obviously they've adapted but a lot of them are struggling at different times i have two teens home here and some days are great and some days are struggling and and it's a, and that's exactly you know what you'd expect them yeah. to be like and just being there and and present and trying to have some novelty You know, really trying to invite novelty Mm. and then a sense of purpose into each day. I think that's the most important piece right now to keep us to keep us doing well.
1: So I love that a sense of purpose in each day. Mm -hmm. So good. Some little goal that you do or something for something, somebody else, something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then talk to me about this. So we're wrapping up school at home. Now we're going to have summer. We still can't really go to movies. We might be able to go outside a bit. So talk to talk to us about that. Tell us, uh, give us tips and ideas on how to get through summer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's time to be creative. This is where novelty is great. Like our, our minds need to solve problems so let's put those minds solving like creative, creative ways to get together like could you show a movie on the side of a house and people you know bring their own lawn chairs and watch it together campfires are uh something people are doing more and more right now i love it i mean it's so great we're out in nature and outside i mean some people in bigger cities don't have the opportunity but things are opening up more and more uh, but for teens, there's still less options, and most of the options are outside, but that's, that's good for them, actually, to, to spend that time outside yeah. hiking. They're doing all that They wouldn't ordinarily be doing that, and now they're doing it, and it's good for their bodies and their minds to do that stuff, too. So, uh, yeah, so it's time to get creative. Drive to a dr- parking lot and sit in your trunks in a circle and chat with each other. And in doing that creative stuff, making something and dropping it off at each other's houses, Ways to connect. I don't know that
1: creativity is really going to help them through. Yeah. And I I feel like this this is history for them. And if they can see it as that, that, oh, my gosh, we nobody's gone through this. We are pioneers. I think that Mm -hmm. it might give them sort of this sense of, hey, we get to we kind of get to create the future now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great if that's what they're taking away. So, so I guess we have to deliver that message as much as we can
1: as parents be like, Hey, you,
0: you look at, you didn't think you could do this, but you did it. See, I told you, you could do anything you put your mind to that's Let's right. come up with something creative and, you know, challenge them, have them, have them have a sense of purpose, have creativity in their day. You know, we need to have creative endeavors. That is a purpose to make something, mm-hmm. and especially if you give it away or uh, you know you cheer people up with it, whatever. But um, that that really is going to help them. You know, the the better the prefrontal cortex is developed, the less anxiety and and um, depression that you have.
1: Wow, that's will you say that again?
0: Yeah. So if you develop your prefrontal cortex, the more you develop that and have and, and connect with your abilities. Uh, the, the lower your anxiety and depression is going to be. So creative projects or having some kind of project or a purpose is always going to improve your mental health but- because it highlights and stimulates your prefrontal cortex.
1: Well, I hate it that we're out of time. You can get her book right now, the one that's called You One, Anxiety Zero, or in July, you can get Anxiety. I'm so done with you. Jodi Amon, you spell that A-M-A-N. She has a TED Talk you can go listen to. I just can't thank you enough for addressing this, and I just think it's so timely. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. Yeah, my team book's up for pre-order, so you don't have to wait. You can order it now,
0: and I'll just deliver when it's ready.
1: Okay. I'll be right back. I'm going to go order it right now. <laughs> Jody is a practicing psychotherapist, a best-selling author whose new book, Anxiety, I'm So Done With You, A Teen's Guide to Ditching Toxic Stress and Hardwiring Your Brain for Happiness is going to be available July 21st. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something. I know I did. Join us next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.